Hi, welcome to episode 73 of Invest in You, where my dad interviews Rafael Badziag. And uh, he's an entrepreneur and he wanted to learn from the best. So he has interviewed more than 30 billionaires. So he wrote a book called The Billion Dollar Secret. So the Billion Dollar Secret title made me very curious to figure out what is this all about. And trust us, it's really hard to get hold of one billionaire for an interview, right? Yeah. Uh, So get hold of way over 30 of them all over the world, traveling numerous times around the globe in his quest. Yes, really a quest to find them and get the best uh, learnings from them. Uh, This has been at conferences, meeting many of them in their homes and traveling, finding out what motivated them to really get started because they are so-called self-made billionaires. That doesn't mean that they've done the job on their own, but that means it's not uh, inherited money. It's just finding a way to make this work for themselves and building uh, an empire. So here we go. How do you even measure that you're a billionaire? Is it like the is it is it is just the is it the net worth? Is it uh, uh, the asset you have got on the management? People define it very different ways. And uh, net worth, uh, I define it as a net worth. So if you, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. I yeah. like to mention someone who is uh, ha- talking about asset under management. Yeah, why? Yes, because it shows what picture you would like to paint of yourself. Most billionaires, in my view, are not there to be seen. Most of them are quite discreet. The, the, the few I know here in London, there's quite a few here in London. Yeah. And I like to highlight this American example, which is the opposite, which is talking about like every step change in the asset management. It's, it's all on YouTube the next day. I won't disclose who it is, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very different approach. Um, but also by telling people what you do, you can really open up to new business opportunities. And that's exactly how this person is, is doing it. So, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but tell me, who, who did you interview? Maybe because this is, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the person I was referring to in, in, in the third person there was uh, Grant Cardone. Um, he is he's not, not a billionaire. Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Uh, but did you did you interview some like net worth billionaires? Uh, I'm just asking not to check your uh, I, I, no, just, I, I, like uh, researching the opportunities and so on and so on because I just came you know last night uh, actually at 11 p.m. from yes. a billionaire friend from Russia. And you can find him on, on Forbes. Uh, Igor yeah. He invited me to Russia to show me his factories, and it was like a crazy guy because uh, we, we went out of Russia for like. Uh, 200 miles to one factory, then 200 miles to another factory, then again mm. the third factory, the full, uh, full day, uh, and so on. But he is also very medial. He is like a rock star in, uh, in Russia. He released an album, a music album, like five, five days ago. But he is an industrialist, right? He had like mm. 55 huge factories. I was, uh, I was shocked by the scale of the, uh, of the industry, and I, I just visited, you know, three factories out of his fifty. But yes. he has also factories in uh, in UK. But uh, uh, so you know, I'm uh, and this guy isn't in this book. Uh, he is uh, uh, some one of the billionaires I interview for my next book. So I research for my next book. And, uh, that's why I'm asking, maybe if you, you know, if you... Yeah, think, think about the, the, the Swedish one. Yeah, I, also, again, because you're talking mainly about dollar billionaires, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't have too many in Sweden. Um, so it's mainly the, the, the big uh, names that you probably have heard about the person behind, uh, for example, uh, H&M, uh, the Persson family. They, they, they are... Uh, but this is the second generation already, right? Yeah, yeah, in in a way, yeah, and also going growing through investments, and also been working with many in uh, in Stockholm who've been growing almost like their own family offices. And that's that's also uh, family money, uh, earn money. Uh, in terms of people who have really been making it uh, on the other side, that's pretty much only tech tech people. So I had, I met up with a Setterstrom. Uh, I tried to get him to invest in one of my startups. Uh, the guy who founded uh, Skype, he he 
he sent me to his angel investment team here in London. Uh, they got a very long process and uh, I found it too much paperwork. So I was pitching other people instead, which was easier in that case. Uh, by the way, this, uh, well, how, how do you call it, Sekestrom? Yes, it's true, yeah. Sekestrom, yeah. uh, he was one of the uh, triggers for this book. Really? Yeah. Right. Because I remember I had this vision, this idea, you know, to learn from the best entrepreneurs in the world, from the self-made billionaires and um, thinking of the ways how to approach them and how to get uh, to them and so on. And yes. then I, I learned about one uh, conference where there was about to be a, a billionaire. It was him, right? And I went yes. to that conference uh, and it, he was the only one, but he wasn't a billionaire at that time. He wasn't on the Forbes list. I'm not sure if he is a billionaire already, but probably yes. But at that time, it was six years ago. Yes. He wasn't. Skype wasn't as apparently as, um, uh, as valuable. Uh, and uh, but he was completely unapproachable uh, at that conference. It was yeah. like everybody was sneaking around and trying to get uh, somehow to, to speak to him. But uh, so it somehow uh, how, uh, how how to say that somehow uh, lowered my expectations as, uh, of the <laughs> possibility to actually pull that off. Right. Yeah. But at the end, uh, I found a way and uh, I pulled that off, right? The, uh, because this is the first book in the history that uh, anybody uh, gathered so many self-made billionaire, uh, billionaires for, for a book project. Yes. Nobody has done it before. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, the same from, from my side. When you actually get access to them, it's usually for a very short time. Uh, and uh, I have not, like yourself, uh, purposefully researched and, uh, and therefore booked proper interviews with them, unfortunately. But they, that's very much uh, something I like to do because I'm also involved with my two sons in our podcast, Invest in You. Uh, and uh, what I really like about that is that they can see that they are just normal people. Right. They are just people. Uh, but they are, they're, they're living in a, in a par parallel universe. And that's fine as well. As long as you just can, can open up that door, then uh, there's so many similarities, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have I can describe some of them as my as my good friends, and yes. they actually, uh, and you know, on a, like in a normal life or like on every everyday communications, like uh, okay. absolutely normal people, right? Yeah. And um, uh, but uh, they have some special skills, some special uh, mindset that made them so extremely. In uh, in business, and that's what I what I have researched. And actually, right now, you know, after writing this book, I'm building a global group of billionaires uh, mm. uh, who meet on a regular basis uh, for to exchange ideas and so on and so on. That mastermind for billionaires generally. That's perfect. That's excellent. Uh, I mean, to, I actually uh, have uh, like uh, you know. Uh, regular access to, to billionaires. It's not like, you know, it, it was once. And, uh, for example, the founder of, uh, of Magna, the largest or second largest auto parts manufacturer in the world, 40 billion in revenue and so on. And uh, so this guy, Frank Stronach, he's in the book. At that time, as I wrote the book, uh, I didn't have much access to him. I got maybe two-hour interview with him, or was it maybe four-hour interview? Uh, because there are interviews uh, that went over weeks or several meetings in different parts of the world, stuff yes. like that. But this one, only two or, or four hours, and he, was, uh, he wasn't that open. Um, actually, he couldn't open up, really, because he was in politics at that time. He founded his mm -hmm. own uh, party in Austria, you know, as politician. You have to pay attention to what you say because it may be used against you uh, by your political opponent or whatever. So yeah. uh, it, it it looked like I, you know, it wasn't. It was a very loose connection, right? But then uh, the book was published, and he read that book and liked it so much that he invited me now to to Vienna or Oberwaltersdorf. It's, it's a, a small village close to Vienna. Yes. Uh, to uh, you know, to have lunch, to meet, to talk, and, and so on. So uh, apparently, you know, uh, 
you can stay in touch, right? Yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah, no, I got some interesting ones up and coming as well. But they're, they're all mainly in uh, different tech tech startups. Uh, one guy who's living not too far from me uh, in my place in Sweden, he is uh, acquiring lots of gaming companies. And that industry is huge. It's, it's I think, around, uh, around 170 billion industry. Right. Which yeah. is huge compared to many other industries, which we don't think about. I mean, yeah, sure, the kids play computer games, so do I now and then, uh, but it's, it's massive. Yeah, I, I, I read somewhere a comparison to uh, like gaming industry compared to football, for example, industry. Yes, exactly. It's much, much bigger than football, yes. right? That everybody you know, watches or knows football, but uh, gaming, uh, it depends if, if you are inside or outside, right, uh, gaming. Like I stopped gaming when I was a student because I realized I played anyway these uh, you know, business strategies and so on. When you build your empire, then I realize why should I do that in, in the game when I can do it in the real world. So I stop. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you are inside, then maybe you can you realize the, the size. So when you are like disattached from that, you don't imagine how big it is, right? So I, I should I should introduce you to someone called Rob Wilkinson. He used to be the captain on the biggest uh, private yacht in the world for almost a decade. He's met more than a hundred of uh, of people that you would love to interview. Uh, lots of presidents, diplomats. I'll connect you because who knows? He might open the right door for you to some more interest. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. I will. Yes, certainly. So let's go for it. Uh, you you said he was president on yacht. What's what's yacht? Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but he uh, one of the wealthiest families in the world from from Dubai, and he was working with them, cruising all over the world for. Uh, for uh, many years, uh, so he, he met people flying in everything from uh, Obama to you name it. They were just flying in to to meet this person. Yet, like you said, exchange some ideas, uh, enjoy some party together, and then yeah, right, right, wonderful, great. Okay, let's uh, yeah, let's start with the interview. I mean, what? Uh, let's uh, let's do it. I mean, how much? How much? How much time do you need for the podcast? How much? Uh, uh, how, how, yeah, well, if I can have like half an hour, it would be fantastic. But I'll probably use some of the things we've been speaking about here as well. It's, it's really just uh, great to have someone like you who decided. Well, how did you come up with your idea to to do it? Uh, you need to know, I am an entrepreneur myself, and I started. Um, it was probably a typical startup, but without external capital out of the dorm. Uh, yeah. I developed the first online shop for sporting goods in German-speaking market in, back in the 90s. Yes. And um, it uh, developed, I mean, from a, a hobby project into a professional project. So I, at some point I decided to, to do that and only that and um, developed them into a multi-million dollar company. But um, it felt like an uphill struggle all the time, like firefighting and uh, problems. And um, I could see competitors in my industry coming later, becoming bigger, growing faster, becoming more successful in terms of revenue and profit, profitability. And uh, I realized there is something missing in, in me as an entrepreneur because we had more or less the same business model. And uh, I didn't have a business education. I'm a mathematician myself. Right. And I realized I need to, to learn, right? To, to study business or whatever. Or, so I started to study all these business books. Um, but then I came, uh, I discovered self-development. I started going to these different conferences about yes. billionaire thinking and uh, success uh, methods and so on and so on. And I found myself at one at the conferences, American conference, you will maybe recognize which, which one it, it is, but I won't tell, you, tell the name, <laughs> uh, where uh, people were jumping around, high-fiving each other and uh, shouting to each other, you've got a billionaire mind. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very, I mean, exciting uh, stuff. I mean, I don't have anything against uh, American enthusiasm. I, uh, I I was studying in the States also, so I understand that culture. 
but it somehow didn't resonate with me. This uh, this particular phrase, you've got a millionaire mind, and I didn't know what it was. After a while, after a while, I realized, of course, I have a millionaire mind. I have built a multi-million dollar company. I was probably a millionaire at that time without me. I mean, in that world, without me realizing that. Mm. But uh, and there, there were people on on the stage uh, uh, that uh, were that I was supposed to learn from, but they were probably on the same level. They were just better uh, entertainers, uh, mm. uh, but not necessarily better in business. So I realized this is not actually uh, the level of success um, that somehow satisfies me. And this is not uh, today. I mean, you are in London, so to get an apartment in London, you have to pay more than $1 million. Is that yeah. to con uh, concern that a major business success? Certainly not to be able to afford an apartment. To live, to live, exactly. <laughs> right? And yeah. this is not, uh, this is actually, actually I realized uh, nowadays in business, uh, because it, it, it's just not what it used to be. I mean, the, the value of dollar is, uh, uh, has fallen so much, mm. but uh, being a, a millionaire in business is actually pretty average performance. It's mediocrity, actually, yeah. right? And in the in the states, you have like let's say you take of every twenty companies over time, in five years, ten years, uh, two survive, right? In five years, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, and um, uh, one of these two uh, becomes a multi-million dollar company, and his owner uh, becomes a millionaire. So actually. One of two survivors uh, creates a millionaire. So this is really average, right? And I realized, you know, my competitors in my industry, it's, it's just not enough to have that knowledge to, uh, to compete against them. I, I need to do much more. I need to, um, to use bigger guns, so to say. And uh, I realized I, I need to, uh, to learn from people above them. And uh, as everywhere in, in life, Let's say you would like to, uh, to become a great uh, football player. Would you rather uh, learn from a third league player or would you rather mm -hmm. learn from uh, Ronaldo or Messi, right? Yeah, yeah. Effort uh, you, you put in, the time, uh, the, your work will be the same, but the results will be completely different, right? So I realize it's, it's the best, always, uh, it's the best to learn from the best people in the world. And who are the best entrepreneurs in the world? the people who have created the most uh, value. So the, the people with the highest net worth, right? They are at the same, the richest people in the world. And then uh, I realized I have to learn from, from the billionaires, right? And started yeah. to uh, you know, research if there are any books about that and realize, you know, all the books are generally about millionaire thinking about uh, how, to, uh, how to think like billionaire and so on. There are some uh, biographies about uh, billionaires, about each of or some of the billionaires. Yes. But there yes. is no uh, first-hand uh, uh, like book based on first-hand material about uh, like dissecting uh, many uh, billionaires and uh, taking the common denominator and telling you what uh, what kind of mindset they have, what uh, mm -hmm. uh, somehow you know, analyze the, how they think, how they approach problems and so on. There were some books uh, based on third-party material, meaning from people who never met any billionaire, they read some books and they think uh, they, they are able to somehow extract from, from these books how billionaire things. I think, but, you know, in general, the output is uh, the mindset of the authors and not of the billionaires. Um, That's true. There, there are some podcasts exactly doing that as well work very much with third-party information, which, like you said, that means you will mainly get the, the thoughts of uh, the podcaster, for example, yeah. or the author, but it's, do you have that first-hand uh, experience? Exactly. Very so here in this book, you have, uh, this is written like 50, 30% is quotes of the billionaires. So it's written with their own words. And there is like, you know, introduction, some commentary from me, but generally this is the, first-hand uh, billionaire, uh, billionaire thoughts, like out of their mouth, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, by asking them the same questions, I could put together like comparison to, to see what is the common denominator. And I compared different, uh, different uh, cultures, different world regions, different uh, industries, age groups, religions, and so on. 
because mm. uh, there was actually a similar book 100 years ago by Napoleon Hill, maybe you... Yeah, 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 yeah know, of course. Right? Think and Grow Rich, he had a similar mission uh, to talk to the wealthiest people uh, and to extract the, the thinking, but he did it only in the States. So it was like regionally uh, limited and some of that thing, uh, I mean, some of his findings from my perspective, it is more about Western mentality, let's say American way of, of doing business and not necessarily that decisive for business success. And there are other things that are maybe underdeveloped in the West, more developed in the East that are like more visible in the East, but they are more essential for success. So uh, that's why I did it on a global scale and with billionaires. At the time of Napoleon Hill, there were no billionaires. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's like another, so to say, level. I, it, it, it was also a good cutting point, right? Because I had several criteria for the book. One of them is uh, the net worth. And uh, it's a really good uh, filter because at the end you end up with uh, 2,000 people in the world yes. uh, who are billionaires. Uh, and that means today like one in three and a half million people is a billionaire. So an extremely <laughs> rare creature, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know you talk about uh, being filters on. I've been part of many selection processes, part of my career, and so so have you, I presume. So the 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 eye of the needle is very small. Right, and right. It's extreme. It's extremely rare. It's similar to actually to winning uh, the main pot in the national lottery. It's a similar yeah. uh, similar probability. So uh, let's, let's say. Uh, if you go out uh, on on street and you know uh, meet uh, somebody or see somebody, so the probability of him being a billionaire is like winning the main pot in the national lottery. And for mm -hmm. that book, I needed like twenty people. So uh, you know the odds for that uh, is like you know winning the national lottery uh, twenty times. Do you know anybody who won the, <laughs> the main pot in the national lottery twenty times? It sounds like a great habit, but yeah. very hard <laughs> to do. It looked like uh, impossible to uh, to um, uh, to actually accomplish, and, uh, and that's why probably nobody has dared to do that uh, before. Mm -hmm. But in reality, if you start doing things going in that direction, you can bend that probability in your favor, and uh, things start to happen. It is, of course, at the beginning, uh, it was extremely difficult to um, yeah to find. Uh, access to these people and then to convince them to, to participate and spend time mm -hmm. uh, and, and so on. Uh, but then with, uh, you know, with, uh, with each next person, it uh, became easier and easier uh, to the point mm -hmm. that right now it's like another way around. So billionaires come to me and ask me if they can be the next book. <laughs> because no, it's actually a global bestseller, right? So, uh, uh, so it is also a good let's say, a uh, branding uh, tool for the, for the billionaires themselves. I mean, they don't care about branding themselves, but they care about uh, their companies, right? So uh, everything that can somehow support uh, the legend creation in the company, in the creating the culture in the company or around the company or the brand of the company, um, they support that, right? Yeah, and in my experience, the the people that are a bit more transparent about their, their life or their business or whatever it might be, people have got massive interest. And uh, actually, number of people following them, not the business, is usually almost like 10 times as high as people following the business. Uh, a great example from, uh, from the UK is, for example, uh, Sir Richard Branson. He has got a massive following as his own brand so to speak, right. while Virgin has got just a fraction of the following, but the Virgin is is benefiting, and the whole Virgin Group is, is benefiting from, of course, the the association of the brand, obviously. Uh, yeah, that Branson, Richard Branson is an extreme example, right? Because mm -hmm. he's very mm -hmm. medial. But uh, let's say other billionaires, uh, from the perspective of other billionaires, he is uh, more of an entertainer than a uh, businessman and. Others are like more hardcore businessmen, but they still care about, um, you know, about uh, publicity for uh, for their company. Mm 
right? Because this is where the business, this is a business creation tool, more or less. And also it, it, it builds trust uh, as, you know, referring to, to your book, it, it books, uh, <laughs> it builds trust uh, to the company. And uh, talking about trust, um, I tell you maybe one of the, um, um, one of the quotes, more or less the quotes from the, uh, from the book, uh, from Naveen Jain, um, uh, you know, it's not about who you know uh, in business. It's not about, uh, it's not even about who likes you. It's about who trusts you. So they are like these three levels of progression mm -hmm. what, that you need to, uh, to build in business at first, you know, get uh, that uh, person or that company to know your company, to be aware of, of you, of your service, then to like the service uh, or, or you, and then uh, they need to trust, and, and only then uh, sustainable relationships can happen. Because if you don't have mm. trust, you can still maybe sell once, but uh, you don't build a sustainable relationship. And uh, you know, sustainable business or business growth means uh, developing and nurturing these uh, long-term relationships. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was thinking about uh, a trick question that uh, came to mind. What was your biggest surprise find? I mean, many things are quite logical, but what's, what's your biggest surprise in terms of uh, a question or a trait or something else? Uh, there were several. Maybe referring to, um, uh, uh, to uh, Scandinavia, right? Yes. Stordal, uh, uh, because I assumed and many billionaires okay so first first of all it is important to um, uh, to develop uh, yourself all the time never stop learning never stop growing never stop uh, improving yourself and a huge part of that is reading right so uh, billionaires read and they read a lot some read more some less and mainly uh, books uh, but I assumed, you know, they read hardcore business books or, uh, uh, you know, maybe like biographies of uh, successful people and so on. But I was, uh, for example, surprised that Peter Stordalen, uh, when I asked him what business book he, uh, what's the best business book he read, he said, I actually haven't read any business books, right? So he reads uh, like normal novels, right? And stuff like for uh, leisure or maybe distraction or uh, recreation uh, but then he said no no i actually read one right <laughs> <laughs> so he he read just one business book uh, and, but the thing is actually the best knowledge you don't get from uh, reading books uh, you you get something like an inspiration that uh, this and this is, is is possible that people they are people who did that and that and if they could do you can do Mm -hmm. uh, and you get some methods from you know if you if you read like hardcore business books, but actually the most you learn is through your experience. So you learn in your business by uh, try and error, right, and by improving, by tweaking, and, and so on. And this is how you can find actually uh, you know all these loops in the system uh, or all these uh, holes in the system that you can uh, that you can leverage uh, and only. Only that way you can actually uh, make a breakthrough, be innovative, and uh, build great uh, value yeah. and great, uh, great uh, wealth. Because if you just use the, you know, the established knowledge already, you are like everybody else, right? So you can't come to 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 be on a level. So every one of these uh, of these billionaires, they learned in they in their own. Um, uh, in their own companies, uh, yes. with their own experience. Uh, so this is one, like one, one of the surprises. And the, maybe the other surprise is that, um, uh, you know, you have this, uh, let's say, mainstream image of a billionaire, uh, like uh, traveling through the through the world, uh, jet set. Uh, uh, lifestyle and uh, throwing parties, spending money to left to, to right, but in reality, most of, of billionaires, uh, of self-made billionaires, they are not like that, right? So this is the actually uh, the exception, more the exception than the rule. They are they are people like that, but in 
uh, in reality, uh, so main uh, main um, uh, rule or one of the main rules for billionaires is that they like making money much more than they like spending money. And some of them they hate spending money. Some of them like spending money, and but they spend just a small part of uh, of uh, the money they they make, mm. right? And uh, but they I found uh, I came upon some extreme uh, examples on the on the other side of the people who hate spending money, right? Like Narayana Muti, an Indian uh, billionaire, the creator of Infosys, and Infosys is the largest or one of the largest. Um, uh, software companies by the number of em uh, employees they have 200,000 employees or 250,000 meanwhile and uh, so uh, it well, what it means it means it's uh, uh, more than uh, Microsoft Google and Apple together right um, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, this guy uh, he lives in a three bedroom apartment from the time when he f uh, founded the company so when he was like you know Ever, I mean, he was he wasn't wealthy at all. I mean, they founded a company with, uh, I guess, two hundred dollars in uh, in the eighties uh, that were saved up by seven people, and, uh, uh, and from that time in this uh, in this apartment, he still lives in that apartment. The only luxury he allows himself uh, is books, and there is this uh, legend about him because he not only is a self-made billionaire he also won uh, the um, uh, competition for the world entrepreneur of the year so they choose ey chooses the best mm. entrepreneur in the world every year and yeah. he won this competition in 2003 and there is and i'm going to that competition i i, I was like third time uh, this year in monaco and um so there is this gala at the end when they announce the, the winner and uh, it's a black tie event. Yep. So you are supposed to uh, wear a tuxedo. And she came to that, to that event and there are like hundreds, up to thousands of people there. Everybody dressed up in tuxedo and so on. And he was the only guy without tuxedo. He, he just wore a regular suit. And there is also this legend. He doesn't confirm that legend. He said that this is not uh, uh, true. Aha, because he said, uh, you know, he doesn't need tuxedo, right? Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, this is, uh, he was wearing a regular suit. But there is this legend that even this suit uh, wasn't his. It was, uh, uh, it was left, it was borrowed. <laughs> uh, because he yeah. wasn't using suit in, uh, at that time in, uh, in, in the company. Uh, mm. right? uh, so, uh, so this is the the extreme, and even uh, you are in London. So Peter Hargreaves from um, uh, from um, uh, from UK, the founder of Hargreaves Lansdowne. This is the largest uh, financial retail uh, business in uh, in uh, in UK. Yeah. Uh, this guy is also on this extreme uh, spectrum. He flies, for example, budget, right? Because yeah. he says uh, this is the closest. Uh, um, the closest airport to to his house, so there is no need to go yeah, yeah. Like, to spend one more hour to fly business or whatever. And at the time when I was uh, uh, interviewing him, he was driving an uh, 80 year old uh, Toyota Prius because he yes. said, uh, "You know, there is uh, there is no need for a bigger car or more expensive car. It uh, just consumes uh, more fuel. It's uh, more expensive." Yeah, yeah. Um, in uh, you know in operation and uh, so this is uh, uh, this is uh, so this is one of the surprising things and then of course the oddities of the billionaires right so each of them they have they own odd, uh, some, something odd about themselves and they are yeah. extreme about that like for example Peter Hargreaves there are no meeting rooms in his company and there is no there is no chairs in his company yeah. Um, except for the chairs at the desks of people, right? So if you mm -hmm. want to meet with somebody, you need to go up to his desk, and there are no meetings like three or more people <laughs> with the company because he says this is completely unproductive and he disrupts every meeting. If if he finds like three or 
uh, more people talking to each other, then he joins and uh, he says, so what, what is this meeting about? And they say, we are just ending. So he says, okay, so then end. And he waits till the end, right? <laughs> and, and, and you would see, you would say, how is it possible, right? I mean, you need some meetings and what, whatever. But uh, in reality, he was able to, um, to create this extremely effective company with no meetings and they are really no sitting opportunities in his in his company yeah example perfect really good example because uh, in the end of the day you find a new and different way uh, you find a, a different culture whatever it might be uh to bring things together um any trait that you have noticed like a good good habit that shines through you mentioned books already uh, anything else? Which yeah, I mean, uh, I have been like I described like six uh, essential habits that uh, billionaires uh, have, and uh, also like five uh, five uh, skills of business mastery that that kind of stuff. So I described that uh, pretty precisely in the book. But let's uh, uh, one like the most probably the most striking habit is that they get up early. So on average, 5.30, some of them get up as soon maybe as even 4 a.m. or 4.30, some of them maybe 6 a.m., but generally around 5.30, uh, they get up and they have this, and uh, this has some you know, uh, positive effects because they start, they can like, uh, they have time for themselves before, so to say, the world start around them starts to operate because uh, before they get uh, distraction, and um, uh, so this is one thing. And the uh, the other thing is um, that it somehow you know enforces uh, the discipline, and they can they they can somehow take care of the morning morning routine without uh, distraction. Uh, and uh, the morning routine is usually you know some. Uh, some kind of physical activity, uh, some kind of, um, uh, let's say, maybe not uh, relaxation, but meditation, mm. but in different forms. It doesn't need to be, you know, sitting down and really meditating in different forms. Some, it's like long showers or walks or something. It can be like, you know, thinking for themselves. And uh, also reading is uh, for some even part of the of the morning routine before they actually then start you know go to yep. uh, to the office and start doing business right so um, uh, this is a really striking uh, striking part of the uh, of the habits right the other habits as I said is uh, uh, is the uh, is reading another one is um, that they are. If, uh, physically active, uh, independently of the uh, of um, uh, of the age. So even people who are eighty and over eighty, they uh, regularly exercise, right? And uh, so every day, or uh, every day, like in a light way, maybe and yes. twice, yes. three times a way, a real workout. So this is. Uh, yeah. So, the, and then there are some more habits that you will read in the book about. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. No, one of my closest neighbors in in Sweden, to the place I got there, where I actually got my family. So I've I've got two worlds. I got the business world, and I got the family world. I try to keep them apart as good as I can, uh, because another temptation is just to to work harder, 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 and to chase that that uh, goal which you might have, which means you forget about the family. Right, right. But, okay, so uh, this is an interesting topic, billionaires and family, right? Yes. Uh, so uh, let, let's talk about some aspects of that. First of all, uh, this is also one of the, uh, of the surprising discoveries is actually that billionaires mostly, I mean, in most cases, they have really traditional and, let's say, boring private life. So this yeah. is like, you know, these... Uh, parties and uh, 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 alternating partners and uh, uh, scandals, whatever. No, it's like a, a traditional, boring, let's let's say, stable uh, private life. And yes. um, 
why? Um, because it's just uh, so one of the uh, main uh, aspects is to have a supporting partner that uh, understands your your goals and what you're trying to accomplish is uh, like like understanding and uh, patient with you and holds your back, so you don't have uh, like problems or challenges on your private side of life that you can fully focus on, on business. So all your mental, so to say, energy is focused on business. It doesn't mean you don't yeah. spend time with uh, family, but you don't spend, uh, so to say, you don't have stress on that on that side. And um, so this is uh, important. And some of the billionaires, let's uh, talk here, let's take here, for example, Jack Cohen, an Australian billionaire. Yes. Uh, he, he brought... Um, fast food to Australia, like uh, KFC, Burger King, and then he built also Domino's Pizza, altogether 2,500 restaurants. He, he has shares in 2,500 restaurants. So uh, he and also Özneuzin, um, a Turkish billionaire, they say, you know, the, the, the best decision uh, or the greatest achievement was actually to marry this partner, right? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just a great choice, and it, it had them a lot in uh, on the on the long term in in, yes. uh, in business, right? To have the the right partner, meaning this uh, understanding partner that supports you, um, and but of course there, there are a lot of sacrifices that you have to take. Mm. If you want to break it to uh, to that level because it means. Uh, long hours for uh, of extreme effort, uh, work for uh, at, at the beginning maybe you know seven uh, seven days a week, uh, and then uh, you know over decades if you want to bring it to to, to billionaire level, and it means of course mm -hmm. sacrifices in your private life, and you are not always there. You know uh, yeah. the important uh, family events like is uh, the Turkish billionaire that I. Um, uh, this uh, that I mentioned, he was, for example, on the flight to some business meeting uh, when uh, his daughter was born, and and so on and so on. Yeah. So these are the situations that you miss, maybe you may miss in your life, yeah. and also yeah. kind of being able to spend. Uh, billionaires have also friends, and uh, like for example, um, Peter Hargreaves, he still has the same friends uh, from high school and goes to pub and uh, drinks beer with them. Yeah. But of course, he, he, you know, in this extreme uh, phase when he was very active in business, he didn't have that much time to spend with his friends uh, that other people may have, right? Uh, that have, have nine to five uh, uh, job, right? Yes. Uh, so you you have these uh, sacrifices, uh, and that's why you need, uh, you know, good friends and uh, yeah. a good partner, meaning uh, somebody who really understands you and is not. Uh, out there just to uh, yeah to get benefits from the uh, from the relationship, but somehow support you in what you uh, create on a, on a long term, right? Yeah, no, I, I recognize it with with sacrifice because I used to work with the military, so my wife has been extremely understanding. We've been together forever, pretty much since we were like seventeen. And she's still hanging in there. So she survived a military career, a diplomatic career. She also survived this strange business life that I've set up myself. And um, I really think, it, especially when you're almost like building uh, a little empire, because you actually are on the level we are talking about this absolute empire, oh, yeah. uh, to have to have uh, shared values, or at least understanding. If you've got shared values and even drive as a team, as a whole family unit, that can be super powerful. Yeah, so the, some of the uh, of the billionaires I interviewed, uh, the partners are somehow also, in some cases, they are involved. And uh, I'm not sure right now. We didn't really talk about that if it helps or if it is, uh, you know, more of a hindrance maybe. But uh, usually, I mean, what the combination I found here is usually that the man focuses more on the business side. And uh, the wife focuses more on the philanthropic side, right? So the uh, wife runs the foundation, the man ra uh, runs the uh, company. But they are uh, also very successful companies where both of them are at the helm. Uh, let's let's take, for example, Menace Tool, an Australian 
toy manufacturer. They are number five in the world, and mm -hmm. uh, it's called uh, Moose Toys. Uh, if you have young daughters, you may know Shopkins is one of. No, of no I got two boys. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Um, Anyway, so Shopkins yeah. was a toy that was more uh, for two consecutive uh, uh, for two, uh, two consecutive years. It was more popular than Barbie, so it, it says oh, yeah. something about yeah, the, the, uh, the size of the of the operation. And uh, they uh, and uh, Manistool became also the world entrepreneur of the year 2016. So the best entrepreneur in the year 2016. Mm. Self-made billionaire, and he runs uh, the company with his wife Jackie, and uh, very innovative company, and apparently extremely successful company, global company. Uh, so it, it, it is possible. I did. I didn't really talk about them, about the pros and cons, and, and for yeah. that uh, that first book, maybe it will come in the in the second book. So I can't tell you much about about that. Well, that's, that's perfectly fine. That's great. Okay, but well, it sounds like you've been on a fantastic journey, and uh, absolutely the greatest adventure of my life, right? <laughs> it is, it is, uh, and, and you learn so much. What, what was your own company uh, about? Would you still operate it? Yeah, uh, it's still in operation, uh, yeah. and uh, it's uh, stabilized at, at some time. Uh, that's why I. I I realized I need to learn more about yes. in order to grow. And uh, this is interesting since I have put together these 20 principles of billionaire wealth and success. Yeah. And I was able, uh, but, you know, I'm traveling most of the time, like 60% of, of my time, I'm still traveling. Uh, for the, like, During the project, I was traveling for the project, but right now also for all the media interviews and uh, meeting with billionaires and so on and so on. So I spend like 40% maybe of my time at, you know, at home. And from mm -hmm. that time, maybe from my, it's like maybe 10% for the, for the company. Uh, but nevertheless, I was able to introduce some of the, uh, so to say, soft, uh, soft factors, soft principles from the book. I wasn't mm -hmm. able yet to change uh, the processes, uh, like the, you know, the, uh, hard, uh, hard parts of the of the machine, but uh, at least the soft factors like how we understand uh, us as a company, as a team. How do we uh, talk to uh, to customer? How do we communicate between us? And uh, how do we approach problems? This kind of, of stuff, and mm -hmm. this alone uh, doubled uh, the revenue of the company. Within a year, and and it's a multi-million-dollar uh, company, so it's doubled the revenue of the company yep. within a year, and more than tripled the the profit of the company. So it, it seems like it works, <laughs> right? Also in the, in the small scale. Yes. No, it's it's great to see how things are so transferable and so on. So and also, I find it interesting when when you travel and move ideas across uh, the world, uh, it can often take a concept from one country and take it to another one. It's great to see, see that happening. Um, I would like to ask you about something which is close to my heart, which is real estate, properties. Um, I have seen some, some common traits, and, and we mentioned, for example, Peter Stoller, and he was very much in property with hotels, etc. Have you spoken about real estate with them, with them? And if so, what what did you talk about? Not no. really. This will be the part of the of the second book that I'm researching right now. So mm -hmm. I won't uh, reveal that uh, that yet. But uh, will be like part of, of, of that thing. But this is, uh, or maybe even third book, because uh, real estate, um, I see it like at the third. Um, um, uh, uh, yeah. Usually in the in a billionaire career, it's a, a, a third uh, step. So the uh, the first step is uh, so to say the, the mindset. The second uh, step is uh, how you build a billion dollar company like a business, mm -hmm. and then uh, you come into investments, right? Mm -hmm. And I consider that at, you know at the end of the uh, of the game. Uh, but of course, some people, uh, you know, build uh, their business in uh, in, uh, in real estate from from the scratch. But this is I, from what I see, a minority. If you took, uh, if you look at the uh, at the Forbes list, 
I would say probably 95%, probably more, uh, you know, built at first a billion dollar company or a multi-billion dollar company. And then they are, of course, each of them on that level is in real estate, but it's more like uh, they consider it more like, you know, protection of the, of the wealth general. Yes, yes. No, very, very good point. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting, like the, the order where people uh, move into to real estate or not. Uh, but yeah, it's also, I look forward to your book about how they invest. And when you come to that, feel free to, to come back to me. I have, I have many insights to that. Oh, yeah, Let's do that another time. Yeah, it will be called probably the beyond the line investing. Right? Great enough, yeah. I look I'm, forward to as, that. As I... As I um, um, as I noted uh, before, I mean before the the interview, I just came from uh, from Moscow, from from Russia, from a, a, fr- a friend, uh, a self-made billionaire, Igor Rybakov, who was uh, chosen the best entrepreneur in Russia this year, so right. entrepreneur of the year in Russia. And uh, Excuse me, I, I don't know, I don't know his industry. What, which industry? He is uh, in the uh, roofing industry, so he manufactures uh, materials for roofing and for insulation. And he has also some factories, 55 factories, and some factories he has also in the uh, UK. I don't know now the names of the factories in the UK, okay. but uh, his company is, uh, is called Technonicol. And in some, uh, in some of these materials he has like over 60% of the world of the global market. So it's like dominatory. Yeah. Uh, so. Monopoly has been a great way for many people to become billionaires when you can actually protect it. But usually the market force and laws try to restrict Yeah, but the thing is, but the, yeah, this is, this, is the, uh, this is the funny thing. Usually the billionaires that I have uh, researched here, and Igor is one of them also. I mean, he's not in the first uh, field, yeah. but he is the same. Um, um, when you uh, in in that principle, uh, they didn't. They are not uh, the tech people, so they didn't, uh, uh, so to say, make a great invention uh, and uh, became the dominator or the monopolist with that, like the Googles, the Facebooks of our our times, so to say. Mm-hmm. Now they started in traditional industries and uh, were uh, competing against uh, incumbents. Uh, strong incumbents from the very beginning and uh, Igor is the same I mean all the industries he went into he was a small fish at the beginning right he started with zero and they were players big uh, strong players in the market but through uh, innovation and lean uh, methodology in in his case he just outcompeted them right he just had uh, lower cost uh, better quality uh, faster uh, better delivery uh, and uh, he just, yeah, uh, left uh, behind him, right? So this yeah. is uh, this is actually the how uh, uh, the real billionaires be, became uh, became billionaires. And this is also one of the surprising uh, findings. But yeah. what I wanted to tell you is uh, referring to you about real estate, right? In his case, yes. he stumbled into real estate actually by accident. Right, because there was an opportunity uh, in uh, in Moscow. They built, uh, uh, of, of course. I mean, if you consider they, his factories real estate, uh, this is also real estate, right? But this is like, uh, uh, let's say, uh, gold-bound real estate. He needs to, you know, buy the or own the uh, uh, the land and uh, the building in order to, in order to operate that. Or it's it's like it's natural, right? But yeah. other than that, uh, the real estate that doesn't belong to his to his business, right? That is like on um, uh, like real estate for for the sake of it. He actually stumbled in it by accident because he wanted to. Uh, there was an opportunity. They built uh, two uh, modern office buildings. Um, yeah. they, they built several like develop uh, uh, real estate developers built several uh, uh, office buildings. Um, uh, very moder- modern, and he wanted to have something for his offices or maybe his new companies that his yeah. ideas and so on. So he built two, uh, he bought two buildings, but then he realized it's it's just pain in the ass, uh, so to say, to to run it because it, yeah. uh, you know you have to 
uh, operated. It uh, causes cost and so on. Mm. You have to manage it. So he started to, to develop. Actually, he he uh, he founded a new company to run it and to and he realized he doesn't need that much space. So uh, to somehow make use of this space, he doesn't he doesn't need right. And uh, mm. so he developed a, a co-working uh, space concept. It's called uh, SOC. So uh, uh, it's a service. Uh, I don't know. Now it's like about you know you, you get an office and you have everything else is like included, uh, like uh, you know printing service, like food or yeah. coffee, uh, internet, and so on and so on. And then you have uh, like uh, also something like knowledge exchange. So it's uh, it's uh, something uh, between co-working and maybe accelerator, but it's not really accelerator. And so, and he he just you know started, he says he stumbled into real estate. Now he owns like these two, uh, two buildings, and actually it developed into ten buildings already in uh, uh, in three countries. So mm. it, uh, you know, like the typical billion mm. thinking, like if I do something, let's do it big, right? So mm. if I have this tool, let's uh, <laughs> let's grow it, let's make it big, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, jump jumping back to you, uh, what? What kind of expectations would you like to put out to the market? Uh, have you got any time frame for the next book, or you're just you're working on it in the background? Or uh, well, I'm working on that in the background. It depends always, uh, you know, on, uh, <laughs> on the billionaires. You have to. I actually I would have enough material to write it down right now, but I want yeah. to add some more billionaires to that. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, in the first book, I thought it would take me like a year, right? Mm. And then it took me six years, right? Because mm. uh, uh, you, could, you, you uh, could actually see that at some point as the greatest failure of my life, uh, because at that some point I was, it was there were many, uh, uh, many times uh, in the yeah. point where I was stuck and I didn't know uh, the next step and how to get um, uh, through that or that uh, barrier. But at the end, I, uh, I managed to do that. So. Uh, if you know, if in an optimal uh, case, it will be probably published the next book next year. But yeah. this is a very optimistic scenario. So it it's not a book like you know a novel maybe when it is just your imagination that you yeah, yeah, yeah. Want to write. I I I really do research for that. So I really do uh, uh, meet people, uh, talk to them, and interview them, and uh, you know extract the the wisdom. Yeah, exactly. So, for 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 the people listening into this in particular, what is the title of the book? Would you mind us to hold it up properly for the people who see the video? What's the title? It's called "The Billion Dollar Secret: Twenty Principles of Billionaire Wealth and Success." By the way, the foreword was written by Jack Canfield. Yeah, and, I thought uh, that was great. So it should be a, a name for your uh, for your audience and Jack Canfield. Yes. The, most successful um, author in the history, um, uh, most successful non-fiction author. Guess how many books he has sold as an author? I don't know at all. 500 million books. So nice. half a billion, uh, nobody has managed to do that. And he wrote an excerpt, I will uh, read you an excerpt to maybe. Um, there is no other book available anywhere in the world that contains this much entrepreneurial experience, insight, and wisdom in it. And this guy, so yeah, I'm really yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what uh, beyond, of course, the book? Uh, people who like to to follow your work, uh, would like to contact you, etc. What's the easiest way to get hold of you normally? Okay, so. Uh, Everything about the, uh, the book uh, they will find on the billion dollar secret.com. Yeah, go to the billion dollar secret.com. Uh, you can order the book there or through there, or you can get a free chapter there. And uh, they will find me also on YouTube. I publish once or twice a week a video on YouTube. It's also mm -hmm. the billion dollar secret, right? If uh, mm -hmm. they type in the billion dollar secret, they will find me. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely great, uh, Raphael. Uh, it has been absolutely a pleasure to tap into your wealth of knowledge. Can't wait to see you progress even further to share with the world. So yeah, that's awesome work. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure uh, being here and 
yeah, have uh, success with your podcast. Yeah, to be continued. Yeah, we on the same journey by, by learning and investing in yourself by working with smart other people. So yeah, keep it up. Thank you. Right. Uh, all right, Rafa. Thank you so much for helping out with the podcast. Great content, and uh, I mean, we're in the in the same industry. Really like to share other people's good thoughts and mixing it up a bit with our own thoughts as well. So yeah, uh, right, right. absolutely. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, by the way, I mean, uh, tell me about. I was. Stop recording now. I will record that uh, as yeah, well. Sure. Tell me about your book and so on, about your background, because, you know, maybe I can interview you. Well. So, uh, very strange background. Come from a super normal family. And uh, from there, I was very curious. Curiosity brought me all over the world into first uh, young entrepreneurship, then into the military. After the military, well, actually, while I was in the military, I started up two more businesses. Uh, I started also investing in real estate. And then the, the, the thing in, uh, in Sweden or in UK? Uh, mainly Sweden, late part also in the UK a bit as well. So I was still with the armed forces working with diplomatic things and intelligence service in, in some parts of the world. And the, there I also lived the last few years in, uh, in the UK. So my uh, regiment saw me, I think, four or five days in the last five years of my career which is completely crazy. I had to contact them and say, please stop paying my salary. Uh, I, I have left. <laughs> uh, so from that being completely invisible uh, to be extremely extrovert uh, on, on social media, sharing things, being all over the world, speaking on stages, uh, it's a very big mind shift. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went into management consulting. Uh, there I also work with some of the, the biggest brands in the world, helping them to grow their sales, everything from uh, Google to KPMG to very small startups. And then I moved into property more and more, and then I decided to leave consulting at least full-time. Uh, and there, uh, the last few years, I've been working on, on the book, <laughs> Trust is New Currency, uh, and this is actually the, the fourth version is the first published version. So I know the, the hard, it, I think we spent like three and a half years, but I, we were co-authoring it. So like yourself, also depending on other people, which is... So who, who is your co-author and to what uh, is... Her name is Sheila Holt. Uh, so she's also been growing her financing business. And uh, since I was uh, one of the shareholders on, on the board, uh, we saw mutual benefits with me helping her to be a reluctant author. So I, I brought the drive and lots of ideas to the table and together we wrote this book. But uh, yeah. So she, she provides the know-how and you provide the writing? No, no, we, we, we work with very similar things. Uh, ah, okay. And also I, I've got broader experience than she, she does as well. Okay, uh, okay. But yeah, it's good. Okay. Uh, and how, how did you publish? I mean, with... Um, um, hybrid publisher or uh, publisher? We, we used a, a publishing uh, company here in the UK the next actually I've got three more books planned right now I've got one written one is written to 60% and one is at uh, idea stage would be like yourself some collaboration interviews linked to crowdfunding so the next one will be how to make money as a teenager this, it will launch on Sunday on Kickstarter so we'll sell it before we actually have completed it and then we'll focus on a strong marketing campaign early next year the next one after that will be around uh, investment tactics, which is very much what I asked you about the, the billionaire investment principles. Uh, so Ray Dalio probably would be a good one to interview for you. Um, and then last but not least, uh, a book around crowdfunding, because I, I am involved in that in many aspects linked to my business stuff. So, okay. yeah. So, uh, uh, and the other books, are you, because I'm asking generally, are you doing, uh, like, are you going with a traditional publisher, hybrid Uh, publisher? The second second book, we will self-publish. The third one, I have not decided at all. Have you got any one to recommend, potentially? Uh, It depends on, I I mean, the the first publisher, was it a hybrid publisher or a a hybrid publisher? So, you paid for, for publishing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with with this one, right? Uh, and it became, as you as you know, it became yes. more, less easier. <laughs> but like uh, uh, world best, like number one in uh, UK, US, uh, Canada, Brazil, uh, and so on. And uh, it 
there are translations in several uh, languages already. So it will be translated. I mean, we signed the deals already. China, yeah. Spanish, uh, in Turkish, in uh, Brazilian. By the way, my uh, uh, a Brazilian billionaire friend uh, publishes that in, uh, in, uh, in Brazil, in Portuguese. Right. Uh, then, uh, just today, we signed Bulgarian, uh, Vietnamese, I guess, Korean, uh, like eight or nine, uh, nine languages, mm -hmm. and Polish will be also. Uh, so, uh, very good. Uh, I can really recommend that publisher. Yeah. I set up. If you want, uh, I will set up a connection uh, between the publishers. Please, please, please do, please do. Yeah. Panama Press. Panama Press. So yeah. I set up a connection. Really recommend them. Like mean, every every publisher has, you know, the quirks. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, like strong yes. sites and weak sites. But altogether, I am really satisfied uh, with that. And you know, the, at, at the end, the result is the most important, right? Exactly, exactly. You want your book to be successful. And you know, it's not, you know, it's yourself. It's not about making money with the book, but uh, it's about the business that comes uh, at, uh, on the other side, right? Absolutely. And, and also, I love people to pick up a book and actually find something useful, like uh, sharing stuff that people can turn into action. Because that's the, the biggest win for me is to help people change their minds for, for a, a better life for them, whatever that might mean to them, really. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I will set up a contact between, uh, you know, send to you and the publisher an email so you Perfect. you can talk together uh, about uh, about publishing. And they yeah. have a pretty, I would say, effective process, right? So right. you and you decide how far you want to involve yourself or how how far you want them to do everything. Right? Yeah, excellent. Perfect. All right. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 73 of Invest in You. And I hope that you liked this kind of raw, unedited version of this podcast. So you had the chance to hear both the, the setup for the podcast. We also heard some of the outro. And, and you never know what things lead to. So in, in the outro, you can almost hear how we got introduced to a publisher for potentially for a book, uh, How to Make Money as a Teenager. And... Uh, we have spoke to the publisher. They're really keen to do something with us. We'll see how this ends. But in the end of the day, uh, it's not about uh, what you do. It's about who you know. And uh, in this case, uh, connecting one person leads to the next, leads to the next. Really hope that you got some valuable ideas from this. And uh, feel free to find uh, Raphael online. You will find everything in the show notes. Thank you so much one more time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.